This is Pop Fiction Women. I'm Corinne. I'm Kate. And we're complicated. Blunt. Total boss. But sometimes a mess. Opinionated. But never boring. And in this podcast, we're discussing the complicated women of the best books, TV, and movies. Along with the complicated women behind the scenes. Warning, lots of spoilers ahead. So come back when you're done. Hurry up, it's starting. Thelma and Louise, played by the incredible Gina Davis and Susan Sarandon. Written by Callie Corey, Corey. who we will discuss later in what she said. So before today, I'd seen this movie maybe once or twice, but it's one of those movies that's eclipsed by its lore, right? It's the quintessential story about female friendship. And of course, there's the iconic ending, you know, who can't picture the two of them holding hands, gunning it, flying off the cliff. We'll talk about that Oh, way to spoil that for everyone. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Pretty iconic. yeah, it, and it's not only iconic, it's the stuff like memes are made yeah. of, right? It's, it's like you see it everywhere. You don't even have to have seen this movie to feel like you've seen this movie because it's just kind of everywhere. Mm-hmm. But then I watched the movie for this podcast mm-hmm. and damn, it's a good movie. I know, and it holds up. It holds up. The ending is still iconic, but I was shocked at how good the t- whole two hours and 10 minutes right. yeah. were it's a long i movie. forgot that it was yeah i forgot that it was so long it never feels long Mm-mm. and i thought the beats and the conflict and the story structure are just flawless yeah in this movie i am shocked and the themes i mean mm-hmm. it not only feels relevant but fresh 30 years almost it was 1991 that's almost 30 years ago and when when was the last time you watched it before this i i, I can't remember no me neither can't remember can't remember like n- like late 90s and yet i was convinced that i love this movie i mean i and you and i have talked about it and we'll get to that how how it's relevant to us personally but yet then i thought i actually haven't seen the damn movie in years but same thing and I was like of course everybody knows the ending you remember the themes but then when I watched it again I'm like oh no these themes are not only still relevant like I was seeing them in new ways like this escape of course I think of it as like like this road trip about liberation and escape but I mean they weren't just like running from the law and Thelma wasn't just running from Daryl I mean they were like running from their circumstances the choices they made their past and I was just like yes and then the friendship you said we'll talk about that but that even that had a new it struck me in a different way of course I know it's a story about their friendship but we'll get to that because that I mean I was really that was amazing that's exactly what I'm saying it was not only still relevant it felt fresh I don't even know how that's possible 30 years later and I thought that was very cool and also very sad because why does this feel fresh 30 years later why why are these themes all still so front and center completely yeah and you know what I thought of the most when I was watching it what I may destroy you which is the cutting edge uh, the most cutting edge show we've seen in I don't know how long mm-hmm. and yet 
it, it was those moments of like how many bad things can happen to very few people yes that was the feeling I kept having I, I mean the movie opens with the attempted rape on Thelma we know Louise suffered one herself a, a rape herself we are exposed to Thelma's controlling and abusive husband the long haul driver slash gross serial harasser Brad Pitt who is adorable but he's a creep that steals all their money right I mean a lot of bad shit happened to these women yes and the questions of consent and of feeling powerless all of that you're right yeah that's what I thought of so how that's possible again almost 30 years later is it's, kind of I don't know what how to feel about that mm, I really don't I don't think it's good in a way I mean it's good for this movie that you know you didn't watch it and go mm, none of this resonates it's so dated but it's also sad yeah I, or maybe it's just quintessential yeah. like this is what it's always going to be like to be a woman I th- I guess so oh is it always what it's going to be like but I think so. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't have to be. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Well, is anything else you want to talk about for for thirty years later? Uh, no, I, 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 I'm like no. I don't think so. I think, I think we can get to our complicated women. Oh my gosh, Thelma and Louise. So to me, Thelma had the greatest change from beginning to end, right? This is a woman who can't even get up the nerve to ask her husband to go away for a night with a friend. And then at the end, she is one who is willing to put a cop in his trunk to stop him from arresting them and also thinks to shoot holes in it for better air circulation. Those are two different people. Completely. And that's what I said in my notes. I'm like, listen, one of the things we look for in our complicated women is growth and that's what we find interesting and we like to see them how they change from the beginning to the end and her arc is definitely the most dramatic I mean she is as you said like in the beginning she she has almost like a childlike naivete like she literally is just you know like this naive housewife she's not allowed to go she's not sure she should ask like you know, her friend makes fun of her, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like, and, the, you know, this, her naivete is what gets them in trouble in the first place with Harlan. She has, like, no stranger danger with him, <laughs> right? She, what, even after Louise shoots him, she's like, it's okay, yeah, like, we can just tell the cops, like, it was self-defense, you know? And, right, and then even with JD, like, even after he told her she he was a, a yeah. robber, she left the money in the envelope, I mean, it's only after that, I think, you know, when we'll talk about this in the scene where she, once she then does the robbery herself, it, then she has this real turning point. And then you're right, by the end, this is a completely different person. This is a person who knows exactly what she wants. Uh, I mean, the character is so well written, but also all of the imagery and the sim- symbolism in this movie is so perfect. So she, when we first see her getting the start of this ride, she's getting in Louise's car with literally too much baggage. (laughs) Too much baggage. Everything she owns. You're right. She's taking all the baggage on the road. (laughs) Two huge suitcases, a duffel bag, her purse. It's ridiculous. But by the end, she's repurposing shirts, Mm -hmm. cutting off Mm sleeves. She's totally transformed into this outlaw that has shed all of that shit that she doesn't need. 
it's pretty amazing to watch on every level. Yeah, and as you said, she's packing all these things and she's in the beginning, she has this gun and she's like this, like holding it up like, like, oh God, what do I do with this? And then hands it to Louise and is like, I don't know, I don't know how to shoot it. And she's like, oh Jesus, just like put it in my purse. And you're right at the end, she's like a sharpshooter. I mean, she's not, but I mean, she's wielding that thing with such confidence and authority. And in the beginning, it was like, mm, I don't even know what to do with this thing. Absolutely. Louise, <laughs> she doesn't change so much as I thought she's revealed. Yes. At the start of the road trip, she's wearing the scarf on her head. She's covering herself up. Yes, it's a pl- practical reason. They're in a convertible and that completely mangles your hair. Ugh. But it really is symbolic. She's hiding. She's undercover. And both of them are so put together. Their hair is done the way they want it to be done. Their faces, makeup. By the end, they're just wild and feral. I love it. But Louise, at the beginning, she's behind this kind of facade. And that strips down, not only externally as her clothes and makeup do, but internally. We learn more about her relationship, complicated relationship, with Michael Madsen's character, uh, Jimmy we learn about the rape. We see her desperate need to soften, to trust a man even a little bit, the way she does with Harvey Keitel, Hell, Yeah. Her arc is not as dramatic as Thelma's, but it is just, it's still there. It's really there. I mean, she changes. We see that change physically on the screen and then also internally from beginning to end. There's no doubt. Yeah, no, and it's it's interesting. Callie Corey said something similar to what you just said. She said that Louise wears the woman mask and she was a character who completely hid, like you said, who presents a very specific face, but she hides a part of herself. And you're right. She's a character where things are being revealed. Like, you know, she's got this tough exterior. She's like a tell it like it is kind of woman she's definitely the stronger of the two or at least seems to be at the start but I also thought with Jimmy and you know we'll talk about this too I'm sure but that she meets our she wants him but she doesn't need him criteria she's loyal she's really the clear thinker I think in the in the crisis situations I don't know I really have, I mean maybe we're at this like who do we relate more but relate to more but I mean I feel very connected to Louise Okay. Personality-wise, I would say. Like sure. I said, she's the tough talker. She's direct, pragmatic, has a bit more of this armor on. And while I have nothing in common, really, with the Thelma at the beginning of the story, I really relate to the way her eyes are opened to what she wants by the end. Like, to this idea that at, at a certain point, she starts to see things, you know, about herself and her choices and her circumstances and her eyes are opened and she sort of realizes, you know what, fuck it. Like, I don't actually want any of these things. And Daryl is an asshole. And like, what am I doing? And I can't go back to that life. Exactly. And that really spoke so to me. So wait, you start as Louise, Louise and, and I end, and as, end as Thelma. Thelma. And I think I start as Thelma and end as Louise. Really? Yeah. I so I don't okay. I don't relate to either one of them particularly. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't pick one. But there are definitely bits of them that I, you know, moments and little things that I relate to, little parts of them. But the, in the whole picture, I think each of them are just so unique and also something different for me. Thelma 
silly. I relate to her. <laughs> She's starting off eating the cold Snickers bar for breakfast. Oh my God. Literally something I do. But She's why like is she only bite, eating bites and putting freezer. it back? Can you explain this because, to me? Because she pretends she doesn't be... eat it all? No, because you want it to be frozen. Oh. You don't want to stand there and then you put it back. Because she should probably be waiting, but she doesn't wait. So she takes a bite, puts it back, takes a bite, See, puts the psycho it back. eater person to me was like telling myself like, oh, I'm only going to eat a bite. I'm going to put that back. No. Oh, I'm all, oh no. okay. We'll no. have one more bite. No, no you're probably yeah. right then. And then also obviously wanting to have fun and unwind and get a little crazy. If I had an asshole husband and was on the run from the law, I would definitely pick Brad Pitt up for a night. Oh, 100%. Correct. You definitely would have been her in the bar dancing. I'm not saying what happened. Totally. Yeah. And Louise is all, this is me, like, oh, we got to go, like tapping on her watch and like wrap it up. That would be me. And you're like, fuck it. I'm having fun. We're having fun. Yes. I would not, though, leave the money on the nightstand. No, you're not stupid. She's she's way... But I'm not stupid. You're right. And that was really stupid. But she is just too trusting of people. Mm-hmm. I am not no. that trusting right. of people. Right. I'm just... I'm not only not as trusting as she is. I'm just generally not very trusting of mm-hmm. people. So that's almost the complete opposite. I can relate, though, to Louise, always with her plan, always, like, thinking 10 steps ahead. Yes trying to keep your emotions in check when you're the one with your head on straight but she's a little more kind of aloof than I am she's mm. kind of cool I am not you know and I think like you said it's this armor this yeah. distance that she puts between people I can't have that I'm either like in or I'm out right so, and she's clearly in with Thelma but she still has this kind of facade and I can't I can't do that. And then, of course, she's the queen of you get what you settle for. And I do not settle for anything. Yeah. So Yeah. Well, but I think she's trying to say neither does she. She's using that to tell Thelma, don't don't be like that. Oh, gee. Yeah. No, I thought the opposite. Yeah. Oh, that she realizes she queen. does too. She settles everywhere. Right. Until, yeah. until she doesn't with Jimmy. But yes. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, that's her turning point. Yes. I love these I, two, though. I love these two. Do you want to talk about some scenes? Yes. I mean, this, I don't really, I, my first ones are kind of a cheat there. And we've, we've talked about it a little bit. It's just sort of the opening five, 10 minutes of where you're really introduced to these two. We've kind of fleshed out what their personalities are like, but you really do see that right mm-hmm. from these right. opening scenes. Like yeah. Louise is working at the diner and these two female customers are smoking cigarettes and she's like you know yeah ladies don't smoke it ruins your sex drive then she goes in the back and she like lights up a cigarette and then she calls Thelma and she's like how you doing little housewife so you already see the dynamic between them that she's Mm -hmm. sort of the wisecracking one and and we learn immediately that Thelma is sort of trapped by Daryl and her situation and what an asshole he is and she's like you know, like, are we going? And Thelma's like, well, I haven't asked him yet. You know, and she's like, what the hell are you waiting for? You know, he's your husband, not your father. Don't yeah. be a child, you know? So I already mm-hmm. like their ribbing right. of each yes. other, but you also learn immediately, you know, the situation that each of them is sort of in. And then when they pack up the car, like you said, and she's literally got her baggage, you know, she's... And she brings it to the pool later on. I, I mean, she is carrying that baggage. It's so true. But then I loved when they're in the car and they're just taken off on their trip. And she's like, oh, so, you know, how Daryl let you go? And she's like, I didn't ask him. And then she just starts howling, laughing like, oh, shit. And, you know, she's like, Thelma's just like, all he wants to do is hang around the house the whole time, 
you know, wants me to hang around the house the whole time yes. while he goes and does God knows what. And that's when Louise does say, like, you get what you settle for. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, well, I left him a note. And then they just start <laughs> laughing again. I just thought that sort of opening little scenes, it's like you learn exactly what you need to right out of the gate about both of them. Yeah. Which I love. I mean, Callie, Callie Corey is a master class in show, don't tell. Mm-hmm. Yes. Every detail about these two women tells you something about their entire character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And where they're going. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to the bar first. Uh-oh. Well, yes. Yeah. So that was my first favorite scene mm-hmm. in at the Roadhouse. Now, when I rewatched it, so I watched this movie for for this podcast, and then I rewatched the scene to do the scenes. And I even when I watched it recently, I did not hear her say the first thing that Louise says when they walk into the bar is I haven't seen a place like this since Texas. I did like, not Damn. hear that. Yeah, I didn't either oh, until I went back just for this purpose to talk about the scene. So she's setting us up right there. She hasn't been in a place like this since Texas. So she's already, you know, kind of feeling something. The past is already coming back to her in this moment. Her hair is in a tight knot, a tight knot. Mm-hmm. The waitress says, what can I get you ladies to drink? And she says, nothing. And then Louise is like, I'll have a drink and a shot. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> so Louise is totally shocked. And you could tell this is a normal Thelma behavior. She's a little put off, but then she's like, what the hell? I'm going to have fun with my friends. So she orders herself a margarita and a side of Cuervo, which I just love. <laughs> exactly. Right? And as the night goes on, they're progressing, but they're progressing at their own pace. Thelma is getting real messy and real drunk. And Louise is getting looser, but she's still like, what are you doing? Yeah, and like, like we gotta uh, go soon you know, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Look at the time. She's mm-hmm. hitting her watch and she's like, you know, we got to get moving. But I love how she goes back and forth between letting go, having fun, and then kind of catching herself doing that. You can tell that she's holding something back and it's not as a result of she's not necessarily looking at Harlan like he's the uber creep that's going to do something terrible. He's just she's just you can tell it's part of who she is now to just be weary in this kind of situation. She's totally on guard. It's old pain coming up and feels relevant to her. It just makes you realize you don't even know at this point what has happened to her, but when you do, you know it's one of those things that you convince yourself happened a long time ago. It happened in a different state and it doesn't matter now. And yet it does. It informs every bit of who you are. Yeah. Yeah. As I said before, very relating to Louise in this. Like, you know, I I think she (laughs) saw it getting out of control even before it got mm-hmm. out of control and and was mm-hmm. tr- because of, as you said of what's happened to her even though we don't know what it is that sort of kicks in for her right. and but she can't she you know she can't stop it she can't rein in her friend it's like she sees what's gonna happen then she's like i'm just gonna run to the bathroom and then we're leaving right mm-hmm. and then when she comes yeah. out she's gone and yes. i think then you know it cuts of course to the to Thelma and in the parking lot with with Harlan and oh damn oh my god so like you I watched it and then I re-watched this scene because I knew mm-hmm. that we wanted to talk about it and yeah it's gonna sound ridiculous I mean I just saw it whenever I watched before and it was 
so much worse to me. Why was it worse yeah. this time around? The I don't know. I, I had that feeling not when I rewatched it, but just when I watched it for the first time for the podcast. I knew that she almost gets raped is yeah. what I knew. Right. right? This just like the big plot point. But he beats the shit yes. out of her. I mean, it's very it's it's a the shots just like on her like lower mm. half and him yeah. pulling down yeah. I, I just it was it was it was rough uncomfortable it was it was meant it was purposely uncomfortable and and well done i thought yeah and then louise comes out mm-hmm. you know tells him to you know let it go let her go and holds the gun to him and and you know he's like a boss yes yes and then he was like oh we were just having having a little fun and then she gets Best that line. line sounds like you got a real fucked up idea of fun and then this line in the future yeah. when a woman's crying like that she isn't having any fun and oh, then that was that and you she's visibly shaken in that moment i mean and there's tears in her eyes and and then he has to fucking taunt her and then mm-hmm. he says like Bitch, I should have gone ahead and fucked her. Mm. And then she's like, what did you say? And then mm. he said, I said, am I, I know we're explicit. Am I really? Yeah. <laughs> I know we're already marked an explicit podcast. Yes, but then he said, he's like, I said, suck my cock. And I mean, it's important because it's what drives her to then pull the trigger. Yeah, but the I taunting. See, I, Haunting. Yeah, but I I don't know. So wait, okay. I I don't know where you're going with this. Really, you're saying what has happened, but I do. You think she, he just pushes her over the yes. edge? and She's angry, and she well, and coupled with what her. happened to her and her experience yeah. already yeah. in there, that's yeah. been triggered. She's already I triggered, think, and then he yeah. just mocks her. I think it's a time. Yeah. I thought it was complete pushing her over the edge. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the guy's an asshole. I'm certainly not. But I thought she was just kind of like, I don't know. She has, you can see when she's pulling Thelma away and she puts the gun to him, she is angry. She is shaking with anger. And then Thelma is behind her and safe. She puts down the gun. I mean, the whole situation is pretty much disarmed at that point. Oh, yeah. That's why I think when he... If he just let it go there before yeah. he came back with the, I should have gone ahead and fucked her. And then, you know, I said, suck my, you know, I mean, that's when he like doubles down. Yeah, I know he does. But I think what happens to her is more of like this human being deserves to die. I don't think she's angry. I think, I mean, I'm not suggesting she's like, what am I going to have later? Right. Uh, should I have a margarita? Right, or, right. you know, I don't think she's calm and cool, but I don't, at the anger of that moment has passed and she just, it, it's coming from a deeper yeah. place. And it's more of like, this is the kind of fucking human being that will do this to yeah. women. And if I saved Thelma, but I can't save them all, the only way I can is if I shoot him. Yeah. And so she does. Yeah. No, I, I could see that. No. Yeah. I mean. Who knows? It's not clear. Right. But the two parts of it are really interesting to think about. The fact that, like, again, when she's got the gun to him, you see her shaking with anger. And God, Susan Sarandon is a f- amazing, such a brilliant actress. When she's shaking with anger and, like, get 
you know, get off my friend. And if she's crying like that, she's not having fun. You sick fuck. Yeah. But then she puts it down and something else comes, comes up. up. And yeah. regardless of, of how you describe it or what words you use, that kind of beat in between was just makes it so much more complicated and complex and right and then it sets off everything this whole there. yeah i'm like everything everything right i mean then they're on the right on the lamb they are they are and then they find brad pitt and everything's yeah. fine for a few minutes yeah so we're skipping ahead quite a bit but but and there's so many great amazing moments in between but we gotta go to to thelma and brad right oh yeah we're gonna talk about later a little casting what ifs like if it hadn't been brad pitt but thank god it was mm-hmm. brad pitt i mean it's just <laughs> i mean man yeah. oh man in his breakthrough role right never mm-hmm. no one a, a total unknown playing himself a little young criminal yes. not a criminal what does he call himself he's he's a piece of robber or what, what yeah um, a robber yeah jd their storyline goes on for a little while i mean she meets him and then you know she loses him and finds him again. And so yes. I, I don't know if we want... I, I was really wanted to talk about once they're actually in the motel, but there yes. is... Yes. <laughs> That's what I wanted to talk about too. I'm like, yeah. once they actually get there. Yeah. But by the way, putting this with the last scene that we just talked about, I think if you had... You were reading the closed captioning for the sexual assault scene and the sex scene they would kind of be similar, right? I'm not talking about like, so Harlan slams her against the car hood. Brad slams her against the wall. Mm -hmm. We see Brad Pitt pulls her down the bed by her ankles. Mm -hmm. The white lace underwear is kind of in both. Mm -hmm. Yes, shots of her ass and her Mm -hmm. underwear, yeah. And they, her and Brad roll off the bed, fall with a thud to the floor. There's sound of glass breaking it is like I talked about in cocktail. It's very aggressively physical. Obviously, unlike the rape, the difference here is it's completely consensual. But I just thought that was amazing the the way they chose to have so many of those shots be similar. I mean, they didn't have sex like you know, yeah. like with you know, like Top Gun, like in the shadows yeah. and like soft music playing. I mean, it was aggressive. It, it was, was physical. You're right. And, and I feel like it was obviously on purpose to show. Well, first of all, Thelma's desire is the big difference. Yeah, right? she wants to have sex with Brad Pitt, right. JD. She does not want to have sex with Harlan. And I also appreciated how consent was never explicit, or the lack thereof really wasn't explicit. But it's so fucking clear. Yes, 100%. It is unmistakable that she does not want to hook up with Harlan and she does want to with JD. You could just do a study like frame by frame of this those two scenes and how fundamentally different they are and yet so similar. Yeah, I did not think of that. And you're absolutely yeah. right. There, there really are parallels between them. Mm-hmm. even it's yes. very playful I mean I wasn't exactly sure what was going on with him like jumping up and down on the bed like a toddler but who cares because it was Brad Pitt and and his shirt was off but it was and they were playing the game of like the hand where you slap your hands I mean they were yes very playful but then got very physical but I was just so happy for her I mean yeah. 
you know, and then the the scene after where she goes to meet Louise at the diner and she's like like drunk with happiness and like oh and her hair is all crazy and she's like ah you know you're so excited for her I mean like Louise said like oh honey like basically you finally got laid properly like Mm -hmm. good for you you know yeah so I mean I loved it and and even though in that moment is when you realize she's like wait you left him upstairs with the money you Mm -hmm. know immediately Yeah. Oh, it was such a bad idea. But you were just so, and you knew it. I mean, the minute she didn't, she was like, oh, like, no, don't worry. It's fine. I mean, we all knew. As soon as you saw it on the nightstand. Yeah. But, but, you know, you said about them being playful. Obviously, that's another huge difference between Harlan Mm -hmm. and JD. They are playful. They're talking to each other. They're listening to each other. They like each other. Yeah. There is not just an interest, but a real dynamic, a back and forth mutual chemistry. And we never had that with Harlan. Yeah, she might have thought he was cute. She was willing to dance with him. But there was, it was always felt like some sort of power play going on as opposed to this, which was so mutual, so dynamic, and so much chemistry between them. Yeah, totally. And now I feel like I have to talk about the Brad Pitt casting. What if I have other casting what ifs for later? But this one, it just seems so important here. Sure. Because sure. the way they, well, the, the way she they picked him, there was like five actors that read with Gina Davis. And she said there were four brunettes, as she calls them. I didn't know who, I, I, they, were, they meant nothing to one me. Was, yeah. One was George Clooney. George Clooney, Mark Ruffalo, Dermot Mulrooney. Robert Downey Jr. tried to get the part. I don't think he read with her. But, and she goes, and then there was the blonde, as she called Mm -hmm. him. And she's like, when Brad Pitt read, she said, I literally flubbed every line. I was like, like, she's like, I could not speak. And afterwards, like Ridley Scott, the director was like, so like, what do you think? She's like, uh. Are you even kidding? The one who rendered me speechless, the blonde guy. Like, That's the one. Are you yeah. kidding? And then she tells this story a lot that then she ended up on a plane years later sitting next to George Clooney and mm-hmm. in first class. And when she went to get on the plane, the stewardess pulled her aside and she was like, oh my God, Ms. Davis, you're sitting next to George Clooney. And she was like, you mean he's sitting next to me? But okay. Yeah, right. You know, but she goes, even though we were both actors, I did not know him. And so it was very nice and we're talking and he made a joke about how, oh, he hates that Brad Pitt guy. And she was like, no, you don't. You guys are friends. He was like, yeah, but he got that part in Thelma and Louise all those years ago instead of me. And she went, oh, like, were you interested in that part? And he was like, well, yeah. I mean, couldn't you tell when I read with you? And she goes, of course I lied to him. I was like, Oh, totally. She's like, I didn't even know he, it was like no one else existed was her point. Like George Clooney read for it, but the minute Brad Pitt walked in, she was like, that was it. So clearly he had that effect on her, even as a person and actress. Yeah. The chemistry was very real. So. Which makes sense. Yeah. The heat shows. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that brings me to Thelma's robbery, which is probably one of my favorite favorite scenes in the movie she uses brad pitt's you know <laughs> bank rob script she messes it up a little bit she says now if nobody loses their head nobody will lose their head simon says everybody lay down on the floor right away except you sir you have a story to tell your friends or a tag on your toe it's your decision 
So first of all, the robbery speech is clever and cute and fun. But what I really love about that scene is how freaking excited she is when it's over. Yeah. She's standing in the car, her head like over the windshield. And Louise says, I think you may have found your calling. And she kind of screams with her wind in the hair. And she's like, yeah, the call of the wild. Oh, I love (laughs) it. I love it. And, you know, it was, it's so much better that, I mean, made so much better by the fact that she had just been so low because she realized Mm. it was all her fault that the money had gotten taken. And she was kind of falling back, I thought, you know, into her like passive, like, oh, shit, it's all my fault. I have such bad luck, you know, whatever. But then that's why I said earlier, like, this is where she turns. So it's like, wait a second, you know what? I can do something about this. I can do something about this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have a choice here and I'm going to do something completely insane. I have newfound knowledge. Yes. And look how I feel after. I feel liberated. I feel like. Empowered. Yeah. And it was, I agree. It was awesome. She's like, drive. (laughs) Who comes running in? (laughs) So Louise and Jimmy, that's actually going, the Thelma and JD and the Louise and Jimmy are kind of going back and forth. These scenes between them. Yeah. I love, I, I don't know. I love this. I love oh, um, Michael Madsen. You think, I think it's, it's so sad? It is. It's so sad. It's so I know. Sad. So why do I love it? I just, I, I just did because I guess it was seeing a, a different side of Louise and getting a little glimpse into her who, like you said, she didn't have as much of a change or transformation. It was more about things were being revealed. This revealed, mm-hmm. I thought, yeah. um, mm-hmm. a lot about her. And I don't know. I think he's charming as hell, Michael Madsen. So he shows up with the money because I guess she had asked him to wire yes. her life savings, basically. And he decides to show up in person with it. And even before he gets there, like you kind of hear the exchange between her and Thelma. You know, she said... She doesn't want it. She's not going to tell him anything. You know, I don't want him to be an accessory. And Thelma's like, oh, so you're so sweet to him. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, yeah, he's just like any other guy. He just likes the chase. I mean, she doesn't She mm-hmm. doesn't go, oh, I know, you know. Right. She's still right. got that, like, tough exterior. <laughs> Although after she said he likes the chase, Thelma's like, oh, he's got his work cut out for him now, which maybe <laughs> it's quite a chase. Right. But anyway, he comes and he proposes, you know? I mean, after kind of being a little bit of an ass, not a little bit of an asshole, I mean, he flips a table. He thought there was another guy. And, yeah. and you know. And also the fact that he left her for three weeks and never called. Yeah, and, and then shows like, up with the ring and that was, I'm not, was, yeah. was that a proposal? I mean, that was like, hey, open this after I just like flipped a table and scared the <laughs> shit out of you. But yeah. it, it gets better. <laughs> I mean, that at yeah. first you're like, hmm. You know, there was literally no proposal. And she's like, you came all this way because you thought I was with someone else. And like, mm-hmm. you know, he's like, I, th- I came because I thought you were going to leave. You know, and she's like, that's not a good reason to get married. But that's when she says, after they kind of have that little bit of an outburst, then I really like their talk when she says, like, I think we both just got what we settled for. And he says, I think you just don't love me anymore. And she said, I do love you, but I think it's time to just let go of the old mistakes. Just chalk it up to bad timing. I think it's time to let go. And yeah, that's where I was like, oh, this whole, yeah. how do you know when to let go or when to end things? And I don't know. It was very sad for me there. Very sad. That was the point I was happy 
because I was like, she has such low expectations. This is like who she's willing to settle for, someone who does not treat her right, but I guess just kind of works in her life. I mean, I, I think they love each other, but it's a very, it's, it's based on convenience in a lot of ways. Like this just kind of works. Certainly you don't see the chemistry and passion that you see with Brad Pitt and Thelma. No. But they have this kind of nostalgic moment. Yeah. She like says, do you remember the first time we met? Mm-hmm. And what did I ask you? Do you remember what I asked you? And he said, you asked me what color are my eyes? No, he right. said, oh no, he said, you have beautiful eyes. Oh, that's right. And, she's, and she covered them mm-hmm. and said, what color are they? And he said, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then in the hotel room, she covers them and says, what color are my eyes, Jimmy? And he knows. Mm-hmm. But like, okay. So. I know. <laughs> I'm like, so I would hope that even know after all the time you've been dating, what color yeah. your eyes are. Plus, yeah, there aren't that I'm many like, choices, people. <laughs> Right. You could have guessed in the first place. I was like, okay, this is what you're willing to settle for. Someone who knows the color of your eyes. It didn't, you know, it didn't impress me. Well, that's why I think she says, I think when she tells him no, I think she said, because, you know, we both just got what we settled for. And although I feel like once they say that, that last scene of them in the diner Mm, is very sweet. And because they, but they've already decided then. And it's also much, it's more honest about themselves. Mm -hmm. Like he says, I just want you to be happy. Mm -hmm. And she says, I am happy, happy as I can be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is like, this is all I'm capable of right now. So. Right, right. I just, they they do end, I think, on a really good note. Yeah. We don't get too inside Louise. And that's the most we get, I think, in this with Jimmy. Like yeah but at that moment you imagine she might go on to like meet the real love of her life mm-hmm. and like have this amazing life together yeah you now too. we know that doesn't happen but yeah. in that moment you see her choosing something more and you're like okay she's on the right path yeah now. exactly but my favorite scenes were these little road trip pieces and First of all, I I just have a thing. Like I love road trips. I love talking to people in the car. There's just something about this is this is how I feel. This is your your curled up face to face. Oh yeah, like uh-huh. that to me that is sitting side by side in a car that's moving. I really? Don't know what it is? Oh, oh God, gosh. that is like you torture know? to me. Oh God, you want to know like all my deepest darkest secrets? Put, Put me, in, me a car. in a car. Yeah. Whether I'm driving or a passenger, just two of us in a car, and I am an I love open it. book. I love it. Uh, oh yeah. So so those moments, just obviously for my own personal <laughs> proclivity, but also just there were some really amazing killer quotes in these parts. So at one point, and now we're getting towards the end. I have this one is like an hour and forty two minutes in. So we're kind of getting really close to the end. Louise is kind of doubting herself. They will go back and forth between doubting themselves, like, should I have done something differently? What are we doing? But in this moment, Thelma says to Louise, that guy was hurting me. And if you hadn't come out, he would have hurt me much worse. And nothing would have happened to him. But my life would have been ruined a whole lot worse than it is now. At least now I'm having some fun. Mm Mm-hmm. So I loved that moment where she was not only letting Louise off the hook a little bit, but also truly face the facts. If 
he was hurting me and he would have hurt me much worse and nothing would have happened to him and my life would have yeah. been ruined. And Louise gets that, obviously. Yeah. And then there's a couple minutes later, there's another scene where after Thelma is talking to Harvey Keitel the co- and the cops, Thelma says, you know, don't you give up on me. Don't make a deal. I can't go back. And she says, I don't know. You know, something's like crossed over in me and I can't yeah. go back. I mean, I just couldn't couldn't live. live. And that's another really great one. And then my favorite is, again, just a couple minutes later, when Thelma says to Louise, you awake? And Louise says, I guess you could call it that. My eyes are open. I'm awake too. I feel awake. Good. I feel really awake. I don't recall ever feeling this awake, you know? Everything looks different now. You feel like that? You feel like you got something to live for now? Mm -hmm. We'll be drinking margaritas by the sea, mamacita. You know, we could change our names, live in a hacienda. I want to get a job, work at Club Med. What kind of deal is that cop going to have to come up with to top that? It has to be pretty good. It's going to be pretty damn good. Yeah. They're saying, you know, about a hacienda and Club Med and they're saying all these things. But really what they're saying is like they really want to live. This is an hour and 48 minutes into the movie. Mm -hmm. They don't think they're going to die. They don't think this is going to end poorly for them. They think they have the power to make something different. And they're really grasping. They're like taking hold of it. Yeah. It's they're excited by it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, Even though you'd think like they're running away, they're outlaws, they are in pursuit, but they just have this moment of like, this is going to be better than before. Yeah. It's hopeful. And Even so, though you're, you know, I almost put this in yeah. with the ending. Like I have this almost under my ending notes. I know it's, that would be, that's a long interpretation of the ending. I mean, most people think yeah. of the ending as what just happens right that's there. That's 30 the minutes. Yeah. But, yeah, but it's, it's 30 a, minutes before the end. It's, yeah. it's, to me, it leads right into that. But yeah, it is. It's hopeful. It shows how they've changed, both of them, mm-hmm. and by each other. And they're how ready they're, to embrace. They're not yeah. just running away anymore. They're ready to embrace a new life. Yeah. And even though it's slipping away from them, they, they feel it. Yeah. I love yeah. those lines. Those are the kind of things you forget. You're just like, oh, it's such a great movie about female friendship because of those Those scenes. lines. So the truck... The long haul uh, driver. Yeah. I don't know if it's their final FU, but this just, now they're just straight up outlaws. Now they're just like on like, onto like retribution. By the way, wait, before we get into this, I did want to talk about this. I love also how it's the fault, um, using air quotes, Mm -hmm. is kind of, is very balanced or, or ping pongs between them, right? Thelma brought the gun. Mm -hmm. Without the gun... There's no problem. Mm-hmm. So if she hadn't brought the gun on the road trip, it wouldn't happen. Louise shoots the guy. Right. Also, <laughs> no problem if she doesn't. Louise didn't want to go through Texas. So they had mm-hmm. to drive longer. They could have gotten to Mexico way quicker if they didn't go around Texas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's her quote unquote fault. Thelma tells Louise not to make a deal with the cops. I mean, Louise could have made a deal with the cops and Thelma would have gone back to her life and Louise would have gone to jail or or gone to trial whatever louise then stays on the phone for too long and they get a trace on them thelma is the one who commits the armed robbery which makes them fugitives on a whole different level now you talk about multiple states armed robbery i mean this is beyond local police they are really really in trouble and that was thelma's 
all Thelma's mm-hmm. doing. Mm-hmm. So I really liked that it was very balanced. And even though you kind of think to yourself, well, Louise shot a guy and that's how they're in this hot water. Right. If you think about before and after. Yeah, you're right. It's perfect because then you can't point to just one. They're, they really no. are in it together. They really yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah. But anyway. And, uh, yeah, and the truck driver. I mean, the truck driver is just sort of, I mean, this guy's been taunting them all along. And just the fact that she has him sort of sprinkled throughout but then finally this last time they're like no 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 listen like we're I mean, gonna take care of this we're gonna take care but of wait this. so i all i love how we see him many times and their reaction has an arc i mean this callie so good mm-hmm. so good the first time they see him like pulling up they're kind of curious i mean they're like, you know, is he just going to give us a toot? You know, what's going to happen? They're a little curious about what the next time they're like, ugh, we know this guy. And they like honk alongside of him. They scream back at him. That doesn't stop him. The next time they completely ignore him. That doesn't stop him. And then this time they lure him in and, and blow, blow up, up his <laughs> truck. I mean, they just blow up his truck after just berating him. I mean, you know, calling him a Amazing. pig. Where do you get off behaving that way to women? You don't even know, you know. How do you feel if someone did that to your mother or your sister, your wife? This guy's like, whoa, ladies, like, settle down. And it's just like, literally just shoots shoots his truck, blows it up like this I massive love... explosion because he refused to I thought they were just going to shoot the tires yeah. and then they go full explosion yeah and it just just light they light it up you know i love it now they're at their peak of just i don't give a fuck basically and yeah apologize or else okay they want an apology yeah he would not give it so then so they took matters into their own hands great oh those are some really good scenes all right but we're gonna move on to who won the movie and we'll start with you because I know where you're going with this and we can't keep going without talking about this ending. Yeah, I, I, I have to say that the ending won the movie. I mean, like you said from the outset, I mean, it's iconic. It's what everyone thinks of. It's, a, it's like a verb, like don't pull a Thelma and Louise, right? Don't drive yes. off the cliff. I mean, yes. there's been so much ink, you know, spilled about it. And, and I guess there are, you know, we can talk about it. There are certainly critics or criticism about it, but... To me, when rewatching it, I was like, yes. I, I yeah. mean, I love it. I love it. So yeah. it won the movie for me. I mean, those lines you it read. Could not have, it could not have ended any other way. It no. Just I mean, the other options were terrible. But yeah. but that, you know, let's keep going when Thelma mm-hmm. says that to her. What do you mean? Mm-hmm. And, and then Louise is like, you know, are you sure? And she's like, yeah. And then they cry and they kiss. Mm-hmm. Love the kiss. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. they hold hands. And that scene, you just see their, them holding each other's hand. And the music, I mean, mm-hmm. as they fly off, like kind of mm-hmm. into the Grand Canyon. Gina Davis said, you know, in an interview, like we, re- we retain control of our lives to the bitter end. And then once mm-hmm. we've tasted being control we can never go back and so there was that w- there was no other choice there was no other ending and what Callie Corey has yeah. to say about it yeah yeah you have an eloquent yes. coat she says to me the ending was symbolic she says not literal we did everything possible to make sure you didn't see a literal death you don't see the car land you don't see a big puff of smoke or anything come up out of the canyon 
you are left with the image of them flying. They flew away out of this world and into the mass unconscious. Women who are completely free from from all the shackles that restrain them have no place in this world. The world is not big enough to support them. Damn. Wow. Yeah. And that is maybe the sad part of this being so relevant 30 years later is the world is is slowly opening up, but it is still not big enough to support them. Mm-mm. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's great, though. And what, what won it for you? Well, oh, I have a couple more things about the ending. Oh, okay. So <laughs> that it was not the Grand Canyon. It was, they say it's the Grand Canyon, but it was not. That, that the most of the film was shot in Bakersfield, California. But that scene was in Moab, Utah, when they drive off the precipice under Dead Horse Point State Park. Mm-hmm. And the ending is how Callie wrote it. But when Ridley Scott was shooting it, he wanted some options. And she, Susan Sarandon said to him, you can't change this. This has to be the end. And he's like, well, the only thing I'm thinking is Louise is definitely going to die. Oh, yeah. But she might push Thelma out mm-hmm. of the Thunderbird at the last second. Obviously, that didn't happen. <laughs> and then also there was an alternate ending where you actually see the Thunderbird falling and they have, they actually, this is on a a DVD somewhere. I haven't seen it, but, and BB King's better not look down is playing, which I listened to that song. That would not have been the right ending. No good. No good. No, this, the, the way they're, they're flying in the air, freeze frame with the music that's playing is, I think is really the right ending. Yeah. I don't even like that there's another one out there. No, no, no. That is the <laughs> ending. Yeah. So the music was definitely, I, I totally cheated. I had a bunch of things that won the movie. The music was one of them. Usually I'm a soundtrack person, but this score, it's Hans Zimmer. It just takes everything to the next level. Yeah. It, it amps up the intensity, but also signals playful moments. And then there's like, just like, transitions where it goes into silence and you're like wait was that a bad transition or a good transition what's going on right right and the clothing was another one I, I really think that Thelma's 80s lace and denim is almost <laughs> back in fashion is I'm it? pretty sure I think I saw some of that stuff like the the light denim yeah, um, yeah well definitely. light denim light. is definitely back and White lace, I think I, I, mean, I saw it this summer. Could be. Yeah. Listen, I have a light denim jean jacket with puff sleeves that I'm screams eighties that I got there this summer. Go. So it's there's no lace, but hey, just throw that in there. Just throw that in. And then my final thing, I, I know we've already talked about him and we went on longer than I expected, but I got a like just another Brad Pitt. I, I love His old man Brad Pitt. Oh, sorry, yeah. He's cool, he's self assured, he can get away with pretty much anything without a single hurt feeling somehow he's kind of feral but also introspective so I love the Brad Pitt of 2020 but there's something about 20 year old or 20 something year old Brad Pitt that is equally enthralling as different as he is he's so skinny but ripped Ripped. so he looks strong and fragile how is that possible I don't know I don't know I just saw strong but I got you I get your point I couldn't get past the abs. I really, I was fixated. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It really was. He looks like he's playing it cool, but he's also kind of screaming like, pick me, pick me, love me, love me. Well, it's the dopey kind of like all shucks that jump around. Yes. 
Yeah, and he's talking about killing people, like toe tags, but he's got this like smile yes. and his accent. Yes. He's talking about being so gentlemanly while he armed robbery doesn't have to be. No, just, nobody has to have to get hurt. Nobody, or, you know. <gasps> yeah, he's confident but vulnerable. I, I just dig it. Yeah. I dig it. It's no, he the is. Kind of he's so young. Was he 20? Is that 23, what? I think. God. Yeah. Wow. But but to all of the men in this, I feel like this is something there were a lot of different kind of characters and they're all a little bit one dimensional, but they do show a whole spectrum of what it like what it's like to be a man. I mean, you have the clear good guys, clear bad guys, and then everywhere in between. And I mean, again, it kind of reminded me of Cocktail, where you're like, you can do a whole thing from the male perspective on this movie and unpack all of Harvey Keitel's oh, character, yes. her her husband, uh, Thelma's husband. Yeah, there are some uh, complicated M- men. Madsen. You're right, if yeah. we spent time on that. So yeah. you're right, from yeah. Callie Corey's perspective, I mean, she didn't just craft multi-dimensional, interesting female characters. They all have different roles. They're not just the same guy and it's certainly not a uh, manifesto of men are horrible not at all although a lot of people said that i mean that's what a lot of the criticism seems to be that it made men out to be bad and blah 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 but i i think that's a very misguided view yeah so are we moving on to crystal ball is that what's next so excited about this okay all right. So, well, it does. Okay. It does move quick. It's probably why I put this way. I'm just so tired. I forgot. Speaking of the men. So, okay. Our crystal ball is really going to be about what ifs. Right. We don't know. Again, I just read that quote that Kelly said that she ta- made great pains to, to not see them die. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they survive, but, but we're just going to go with what ifs. So mm-hmm. I see Susan Sarandon, Louise, mm-hmm. and Hal, Harvey Keitel having a beautiful life together i could see them being together i think he is the man she needs certain women need someone who's not gonna smother them by the way that's not me i love to be smothered do you love to be smothered oh my god i want constant attention to the point of near suffocation okay okay go ahead basically i want to be left the fuck alone go ahead right Mm -hmm. so okay (laughs) but and i was gonna say these other types like louise they need to be adored but from on high yes they all because more important than that is that they're given full autonomy Mm -hmm. so for a woman like that you can see the appeal of michael madsen's character but also how she's misguided he clearly loves her he's not gonna try to control her that's good but what she really needs is hal who laughs at her jokes Mm -hmm. Who says, I feel like I know you. She's, of course, like, no, you don't. Right. But he does say that. And who says, he says, I believe you that this was an accident. You have, I want to help you. You have to help me. And in a pleading voice. Now, the rest could be maybe like, this is cop 101. But then you he believe says, it. He sells it. He, I believe it. He sells it. And mm-hmm. then there's this line at the end where he's his voice goes soft but is also sort of comforting he says louise i'll do anything i know what happened to you in texas Texas. (gasps) that line oh 
He it's like sees I see you. Oh, look at me, we're doing it at the same time. Yes, he sees yes. her. He wants and yet he's get... never actually even seen her. Like Right. Right? This is all over the phone. Yeah. I he he wants to get into it with her. He wants to help her explore whatever's going on, whatever she's ignoring. Obviously the rape, but I get the feeling it would be anything that he would just take on everything with her. I mean, and listen, in that final scene, all you see is them driving off the cliff. We left out the part. Yeah. And Hal is running mm. after the oh, car, yes. right? Yes. This yes. fits with what you're saying. I mean, yeah. nobody talks about that part of the ending. They just talk about them driving off the cliff. They forget that it's Hal who is running after yeah. her. And he has been the whole time like, let me come. Yes. I let, this is going to get out of control. Let me talk to them. Mm-hmm. He, I see him as her real partner wow and yeah and I was I don't know why I thought life leaves marks and you need a love that's gonna erase them (gasps) and that is Hal oh did you write that down that line I did you I mean I obviously uh (laughs) were using that yes right wow yeah and life needs marks. Say it again. Say it to me. Life please. leaves marks, and you need a love that's going to erase them. Wow! Right? Okay. <laughs> I said I was going to make it through this episode. Okay. Okay. Oh, that we're is. We're close. We're close. Fantastic. We're Fantastic. Close. Oh, not God. not someone who doesn't. Michael Madsen was just someone who wasn't going to make more marks. Yes. Right. Exactly. He was never going to hurt her. Never going to leave more marks, but he wasn't going to help her erase, erase them. them. Oh, yeah. God. Oh, God. And then also for Gina Davis, I can't leave her out in the, the cold. I have, I, she's definitely getting back with Brad Pitt. Oh. They are going to rob banks across the country until they're so rich that they become Texas royalty. I don't know why. I just had Texas like royalty totally why integrated not? into into high society in Texas when they get blackmailed to do one last heist, which will jeopardize their standing in the community, but also could make them pretty much the modern day Bonnie and Clyde. I love it. Love it. I love it. I want to see that movie. Uh, Yeah. Why wasn't that a (laughs) spinoff? I love it. All right. So what more what ifs? casting yeah i mean yours are that's just amazing this is just factual but yeah what ifs i mean this movie could have gone a lot lot of of people yeah a lot of people so michelle pfeiffer and jodie foster were originally attached to be our thelma and louise Uh, like done deal they were done deal yeah. yeah and ridley scott was at that time producing the film and he was trying to find a director and you know both wanted but actually both of them wanted to play Thelma they kind of fought over who got to be Thelma but then they agreed that Foss, Jodie Foster was going to be Thelma and Michelle Pfeiffer was going to be Louise oh. and then it was actually Michelle Pfeiffer who convinced Ridley Scott to stop looking for a director she was like you should just direct it and so yeah. then he agreed to but then she moved on to like an independent film called Love Field I don't even know that movie no. but then no. Jodie Foster ditched it to do Silence of the Lambs which yeah. probably a good choice on her part although you know and yeah. she was up for best actress that year for that and 
So were Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis, though. So, I mean, they all, you can't go wrong with those parts. Right. Uh, That's amazing. But I could not see those two. Right? I I mean. No. So then they drop out. And now apparently every Hollywood female actor wanted this part. At one point, Meryl Streep and Goldie Mm -hmm. Hawn scheduled meetings and pitched themselves as Thelma and Louise. But... Ridley Scott was like, mm, I don't know, and went with the, you know, sort of less certain box office draws of Gina Davis and Susan Sarandon. But he said Gina Davis had just come off Best Supporting Actress win for The Accidental Tourist. Mm, and okay. she was super interested, like early mm. on, even before Michelle Pfeiffer and Jodie Foster, like her agent apparently went for this after this role whereas Susan Sarandon was like not that into the script she had like issues with it and was really going back and forth a lot with Ridley Scott and somehow her playing hard to get he says attracted him and was like you have to do this like because Mm -hmm. she was I guess not the only one fawning over it and he liked her like challenging approach to it so I mean you would think that works for Louise right yeah Yeah. so Anyway, those were the, those that that's how they got there, and and I saw Nicole Kidman also. Oh, to do Thelma. I'm sure that was another one. I'm sure that I saw. I mean, that's crazy. And then um, if you look at all the men who wanted that other part, I mean, yeah, that's crazy. Also, Gina Davis really wanted to be Louise. Yeah, she called Ridley Scott every week for a year, but then. And Gina Davis has said she met Susan Sarandon and pretty much the second Susan walked into the room, I was, are you kidding that I thought I could play Louise? <laughs> Susan was so self-possessed and so centered and together. I love So she that. was like, okay, fine. Yes. I just love hearing that when, when they think they're one part and then the minute they realize like, oh my God, I am not Louise. Like that's Louise. Right. She's got to be Louise. Right. Now I'll just do my best to be Thelma. It's like when Lin-Manuel Miranda was going to play Aaron Burr, Burr until he wrote Wait For It. And he's like, I, and the minute he did, he's like, I just wrote myself out of this part. It's just so crazy it. that they realize that. But yes. clearly they picked the right people because both of them were up for Best Actress for the 1992 Academy Awards Ridley Scott was up for Best Director, and Callie Corey did win for Best Original Best Screenplay. Original screenplay. Which, this is crazy. I know we talk all the time about the dismal statistics on female directors, but yeah. when she won Best Screenplay in 1992, she was the first woman to receive the award solo. There's a couple with writing yes. share cards. Since 1932, okay? Mm-hmm. Only 12 women have won it, period, in the history mm-hmm. of the Oscars. And the last time was 13 years ago, which was Diablo Cody for in 2007 for Juno. Juno. I just don't understand that. Like, I, I know we've talked about the directors and why perhaps there are less women directing and the time that takes to direct and the end. But like, it just doesn't make sense for me from less like a writing standpoint. There's like yeah. Jane Campion for the piano. No, there's very few. Sophia but Coppola. You... Yeah. Lost in Translation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. But why is that? Because um, our, our screenplay is just mostly written by more than one person? Statistically? I don't, I don't know. know. Nora Ephron always wrote with her husband. Oh, yeah. She was, so... she, yeah. 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 Anyway, it seems like yeah. an area where women could be could be doing better. It just doesn't seem that great. But yeah. But still. But she won, and that's amazing. But yes, and that brings us right to sh- what she said. Yes, to Callie. Oh. A Sagittarius. Oh, 
Another one. Oh my god! So many. I feel like we have so many Sagittarius's. Her birth. She's on the cusp, though. I was like all over the place on this. Mm-hmm. I was like fascinated by her whole life, but I really got into her. I think I told you because of Nashville, the show. Right. Which yeah, did I? I don't think I could have told you who wrote Thelma and Louise before. I didn't know her name. I only knew her name once she did the TV show Nashville and I looked her up and then I was like, oh my God, she's the woman that wrote Thelma and Louise. Like, yeah, she's also written a lot of other stuff. Yes. Something to talk about. Divine Secrets of the Yaya Sisterhood, Hollis and Ray, Mad Money. I mean, the theme of female friendship Mm -hmm. and having female driven pieces is clearly evident in, in all her work. So yes, she's from Paducah, Kentucky. Oh, gosh. <laughs> okay. And you're laughing because, you know, I, I mean, know. this is so weird. Up, up until about two years ago, I didn't even know where the hell Paducah, Kentucky was. But I had a case for work and I had to fly yeah. there repeatedly. And I saw an interview <laughs> with her and she starts off by going, I don't know. I'm from Paducah, Kentucky. And I was like, no way. Yeah. That's but so but our point in that interview was, and so God knows how I ended up doing what I was doing, because I can assure you that there was no screenwriters or even writers in my realm. And she's married to T-Bone Burnett. They worked on Nashville together. That's why, because Mm -hmm. he is a producer and and musician and songwriter and country music. And so he helped her on that. He worked with Joaquin Phoenix and Reese Witherspoon on Walk the Line. Like Mm. he's, he used to, be a guitarist for Bob Dylan, like really cool, which I just, I think I've read Feels a lot. like the perfect match yes, for her, right? Yes, it does, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So anyway, what do you, I, I mean, gotta, I have some quotes. I got to look up his, yeah. his oh, he's, a, he's a Capricorn. Oh, interesting. He's very prolific yeah. too. So he's a hard worker, you Capricorns. I know it's not your real yeah, sign, it's but moon. it's. Yes, my moon sign. It's your insides, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it's your insides. My insides. Um, so something I loved was her development of the script, how she got to writing it. She said she really wanted to write something and she didn't really know what to write about. And she says, I kept praying for an answer, contemplating and meditating, asking for help so I could be put on my proper path. And that's when I got this idea two women go on a crime spree. As soon as I had the idea, I felt the strange sense of euphoria. But the more I thought about it, the more excited I became. But why would two women, seemingly normal women, go on a crime spree? Why would they do that? Why would I go on a crime spree? I didn't want to do anything sexist because I was producing music videos and my livelihood was dependent on women. So I didn't want to write about two stupid women or two evil women. I wanted to write about two normal women. So then I asked myself what crime they had committed. I knew they were going to have to kill somebody because I just needed it to be a crime for which there was no escape and for which there was no real justification. Though you couldn't justify it, you kind of could understand it. You understand completely why this woman did what she did. And that's another one of the things I've never seen dealt with in a film, the anger women feel about the way they've been talked to. In particular, in that particular situation is almost a natural response. And this was what really got me beyond even Thelma and Louise. She says, what also appealed to me was the idea that there is a side of you that you don't really know exists. And you don't know what the trigger for it is. You think you're a normal person and you have a normal life. 
but things could happen and you don't really know what's inside of you. That kind of tenuous relationship we have with our normal life was really intriguing to me. How one little thing can happen and your whole world falls apart. Oh, wow. I loved thinking about that, that you're just a normal person under such extreme circumstances that something just comes out of you that you, that didn't you know just was there. didn't expect. You had no yeah. idea, even yourself, that there are parts of right. you you don't know about. Like oh. Susan Sarandon yeah. just shooting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh! Like she had I- gotten she had gotten by with that wound for so long, and then all of a sudden she's just in this moment, and you don't. And she says you don't know what the trigger will be, and then all of a sudden she shoots him. Yeah, and that was the trigger, and that's like what you said earlier. It seemed in that moment that she was possessed by something, and maybe. Like it wasn't yeah. anger. It was this, this other side that just yeah. in that moment came out. Oh my gosh. I mean, right. I just love like to your point of like how this came to her. And so like this, she was, as you said, she was producing music videos at the time. She was 30 <laughs> years old. She'd never written a screenplay. And this just yeah. came to her and she said it was like like a punch in the heart, which mm. like she said, it was like the whole thing came at once, the whole feeling of the movie, which makes me feel right. better it's not like she's saying oh I had the entire idea from beginning I end. knew yeah <laughs> it was the feeling that she said mm-hmm. just punched it was like I was punched in the heart and she said it was the best writing experience she's had and she she has never had that same experience again and never will which yeah, it was like that. you know it's that whole lightning in a bottle people do always ask her of course you know obviously I know you know yeah. like Everyone thought this was going to change everything at the time for women in Hollywood. And and has it changed? Someone asked her at the 20-year mark, but they could probably Mm -hmm. ask her this now. Sure. You know, has it changed since you won an Oscar? And she's just like, no. And I felt like this reminded me, I think I had a quote for... um, for Something's Gotta Give with Nancy Myers on this, like where they asked her, you know, and, and they're, they're both so dismal about it. You know, she's just like, no, you know, I don't think the numbers are proportional in the amount of work that gets done. You know, there's a lot more awareness about it, but it's really a matter of looking at the statistics. I'd love to be able to point to one thing that says it's better. I'd love to be able to, it's really beginning to be the world's most boring conversation. You know, she's like, oh boy, right. She's like, I think everybody's sick of talking about it. I just wish it would change. I, I like this quote too. She was talking actually about Hayden Panettiere's character in, in Nashville, but the, it's she's rather unlikable. So it goes to, you know, the old unlikable question. A lot of people said right. she seems like a bitch, you know, and and she said, she went through the reasons why she thinks that's ridiculous if you actually look at the circumstances of that character. But she said, what I'm mainly interested in is not having women characters that have to be perfect, obviously. That's something I feel strongly about and have that in every single thing I've ever done. None of these women are obligated to be saintly. And, you know, I love that. I mean, that's what we talk about all the time. Like, don't, nobody it's not interesting at all anyway I no. mean nobody wants yeah. that no. um, unless you're gonna ruin it yeah <laughs> and then we get to watch that part yes so takeaways takeaways so okay, when we me. did Dead to Me season two mm. I had a quote from Liz Feldman that I think then made me think of our book and Thelma and Louise and now we're talking about Thelma and Louise and it seems even more on point so my takeaway has to do with female friendship and kind of what we were hinting at at the beginning of why this 
movie is so amazing and not just because you know it's like oh they're friends they're there for each other you know they go on this road trip you know so the quote that i talked about for dead to me was from liz and it said there's an intimacy in female friendship and i would even dare say a romance to it because there's a closeness that we get with each other that is intimate and it's emotional but it's not romantic and that's the friendship she was saying between jen and judy and Mm-hmm. I loved that quote at the time because yeah. I said it made me think of our book That's and right. and of our comparisons to Thelma and Louise. And now, and that at the time, you know, I hadn't really rewatched Thelma and Louise. I know. I think that's so crazy because we both really wanted to do like a Thelma and Louise inspired book, but we didn't, we, it was really just like the lore of Thelma and Louise. Right. It was the lore. And then... We talked a lot when we were writing it about Mm -hmm. this idea of intimacy. And this is, again, Mm -hmm. before I read this quote from Liz Feldman. Um, And by the way, which I haven't even gotten to tell you, as I reread our book, which was written before we started this podcast, I have started to take note of how many times our characters refer to being seen. we have a pattern here yeah okay i'm not kidding this is all organic this is not we're not making this stuff up this is from our real lives and what what our two female characters are experiencing like what thelma and louise are is that they feel seen by the other one and they they feel understood whereas they don't by really anyone else in their lives Uh, or in a different way than they do from anyone else. And they're both being transformed and changed by By the other other. and because of their relationship with the other. And I think that's what we were getting at and what we were exploring in our book. And that's what I love about this depiction. And Dead to Me. Yeah, both of them. That's, That's their thing is the two of them. And it's, they have loves, they have problems, they have lots of things, but the whole mechanism, the whole thing falls apart without these two friends. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that. Yeah. And it's not, I, I know there are movies I about. I still love it. Yeah. I know, right? I know there are movies about, you know, female friendship and movies where you have women bonding and yeah. the but, female buddy movies. This feels different mm-hmm. than that. This, this, this relationship, like we were saying offline earlier, is more about them challenging each other. I mean, that's the thing. They're mm-hmm. Thelma and Louise are not nice to each other all the time. They're You're, not like, good no. job. Yeah, no, yeah. fuck no. Right. They'll no. tell each other. Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah, but not, no, even when, I left out a line from after when Thelma says, I found my calling, the call of the wild, and she says, you're deranged. <laughs> Louise says, you're deranged. And yeah, they are above all honest with each other in a way that will help each other see themselves right right this is not my takeaway yet but what about the combination of the masculine and the feminine yeah in this friendship movie this is a shoot 'em up mm-hmm. huge explosions pulse pounding excessively long car chase mm-hmm. movie yeah but and that's the masculine part but it is entirely driven by the kind of violations that are common to women yeah this is we're talking about assault and rape and abuse and even just controlling and even when it's not it's all toxic behavior that is so 
common to women, even the long haul truck driver, you know, just his his seemingly innocuous harassment is something every woman knows. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that you have this very masculine looking beat movie, but yet it's driven by the kind of violations that women know too well. Yeah, that's perfect. Okay, well, my takeaway was watching this movie again and again just made me really want to double down on this idea of taking women seriously because I feel like some people scoff at it or don't really get the idea. Like, what does it mean to take women seriously? But this is what it means. And this is why we do it because 30 years later, we still feel it in our bones when Thelma says, that guy was hurting me. And if you hadn't come out, he would have hurt me much worse. And nothing would have happened to him. Yet my life would have been ruined a whole lot worse than it is now. Yeah. Or what so, about that line where Louise is like, that's just not the world we live in? What, what, yes. That line is still relevant. Believed. No one would believe us. Exactly. Right. They, Thelma says, you know, they saw me dancing with him. They saw us go outside together. But, and it's not just in matters of rape or sexual assault. One of the things I had read was Janet Maslin had explained in the New York Times in 1991 that the real, she thought the real objection to Thelma and Louise was not its violence or its protagonist's purported misandry. Rather, it was something as simple as it is powerful. The fact that the men in this story don't really matter. Now, I think men should matter. I love and cherish all the men in my life, but it is too few and far between that we get to see women as full human beings using their friendship as the true north in their lives without it being relegated to a secondary position. We see it in Dead to Me, but they also have full lives outside of their friendship. When it's just about the friendship, it sometimes feels forced. Mm -hmm. So this is all of it. And the point of this part podcast is not to marginalize men, but to give women the chance to shine, to be taken seriously, to be criticized and challenged and loved in the way men have been mm. for so long. Yes. So I'm doubling down on it. Yeah. I don't care if people Lean don't know in. what it means to take Lean. women seriously. Lean this in. is what we do. Uh-huh. Right? This is what we do. And I think Callie Curry would approve. Oh, so good, Kate. Right. She gave us this, which has given us a huge amount of inspiration. A huge inspiration. Yes. And huge. I'm just not sure why you get to be Thelma. I think it's because you want Brad Pitt, but I think I've already <laughs> pegged myself as Louise and you know, so <laughs> We can get you a Brad Pitt. That's true. Well, you've got me Hal. There, yeah, there you go. Got Harvey. Real love. Harvey Keitel, Brad Pitt. Kind of close. <laughs> I mean, it's one day with Brad Pitt. It's a lifetime with, with someone who really sees you. Yeah. Oh, you're right. This has been Pop Fiction Women with Corinne and Kate. If you enjoyed this show, please tell the complicated women in your life. And the men who love them. Yes, tell them to listen. And then to follow on Spotify or review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And of course, share on social media. Tag us with your favorite books, TV shows, and movies starring complicated women on Facebook and Instagram at Pop Fiction Women or on Twitter at Pop underscore Women. For more coverage of the women you love or to find out if you qualify as a complicated woman, Go to popfictionwomen.com and keep it complicated. <laughs>